the world of tomorrow. The world of tomorrow was made to be full of promises. And we all remember those broken promises. Flying cars, meals and pills, hoverboards, penis enlargement surgeries, robot maids, and peaceful utopias. But instead, we got Wi-Fi towers giving us cancer and shower heads that play muffled music while you're showering. But that's not to say we didn't try. There have been many inventions that have shaped our future for the better. Then there are those that were supposed to change the world but never even got past leaving the planning stage. But when it comes to the world of tomorrow, I don't think there was a bigger thing, figuratively and literally, than colonizing the moon. The 1950s, the era of the space race. A race with the promise made that sooner rather than later we will put man on the moon and thus start us on the path to space exploration. But what happened? Stay tuned to find out what happened with us colonizing the moon, as well as learning about a few inventions that changed the future of mankind for the better, and some that changed the inventor's life for the worse. All on today's episode, Yesterday's World of Tomorrow, Today. And then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the news. That's what we do. Wow! <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I'm your host, Moses Sorry, and with me to my left is Achi. Yeah, yeah. And with me to my right is my brother, Josh. Yep. And today, we're going to be talking about yesterday's tomorrow. So we're going to be talking about... Wait, what? Future yesterday's tomorrow. So we're talking about today. 
No, no, no. So we're talking <laughs> about some bullshit. We're talking about yesterday's tomorrow. We're talking about the future. We're going to be talking about things that never happened or things that should have happened. Things, you know, some, some fucking predict the futures is what we're talking about. This episode is going to be all about things that should have happened, could have happened. Could have, would have, should have. Should have happened. Things that we thought as a race was going to be the future. Whether it be invading planets. Butt plugs. Was that going to be that? All right. So, no, 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 all right. so uh, it's not going to be as. All right. a different podcast. It's a different podcast. Right. But I will talk about failed inventions. I repeat, failed inventions that change the world. So that means they had the right idea but at the wrong time. So starting off, we have a dude named Douglas C. Angle Bart. Have you guys heard of that name? Angle Bart. Angle Bart? Yeah, Bart. Angle Bart. Nope. No. Okay. Well, here's a story about this guy. Right? 25, just engaged to be married. And he was thinking about his future when an epiphany hit him. And this happened in 1960. And this epiphany changed the world. Now, 1960, Angle Bart saw that our way of interacting with computers was inefficient. The blocky keyboard, the blocky joystick, in order to control, he thought, well, I think I could do something better. So he was bringing up, so he was uh, bringing so many ideas, and bam, it hit him. The Great Epiphany. An idea that became the basis for modern personal computer. It was a device that controlled an on-screen cursor named the Bug. In 1966, even NASA trialed Engelbart's invention and found it to be one of their more efficient pieces of technology. Two years later, Engelbart and his fellow inventor, Bill English, showcased something called the mouse to a thousand oh, crowd in San man. Francisco. This was known to the circle of the industry as a mother of all demos. Now, you would think, wow, these guys fucking did something. They did they it. Went, they went, they're going somewhere with this. Sadly, that wasn't the case. Five years later, Engelbart lost funding and most of his key members of the project. One in which went to work for a company known as Xerox. His mm-hmm. name was Bill English. In 1979, Steve Jobs offered Xerox shares in his company in exchange for eyes on the research center. The company was Apple and the research center yielded the mouse. It was rebuilt, streamlined, and relaunched as an Apple product. Oh! Now you would think- If I was Engelbart, I'll be fucking flipping tables so right fucking, now. So you would think Engelbart, well, well, at least he patented the idea of He didn't? The he mouse. Didn't. No, sadly, when he was doing his research, uh, his research and doing this, he was under the Stanford Research Institute, okay. so which became they Stanford. owned the original patent. So it wasn't even that, him. Because he was an engineer at the Institute okay. of Stanford. And whatever he invented was their property. And basically. it was owned. Yeah. The Stanford Research Institute owned the original patent. Meaning Engelbart never saw any of the profit from future sales of the mouse. It was SOL. Oh, my fucking. I put a <laughs> bullet through my head, bro. Imagine all the billions of dollars I could have had if I would have worked on this shit. Outside of Stanford, yeah. yeah. Did you read like what the fuck happened for him to lose funding for all this stuff? No. He went but, from like, bro, that's dope invention, for like, we don't care. Yeah. And then, and then someone else was like, 
All right, now that now that he's out of the picture, we well, actually do care. Well, Let's well, go ahead and get and well, take yeah, it. Yeah, because what they stated was with Steve Jobs, yeah. he had like the the drive and the imagination to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was Xerox so, that t- that got got it first, right? Well, yeah, because well, Bill he, he left Bill English, yeah. the co-creator, yeah, right? Yeah. That made it with Engelbert left yeah. to work for Xerox, in oh. which Steve Jobs gave him. Ah, yeah, right. to so help him out so in research had, for his right. company. Well, so he looked through old documents and yeah. old man, and bam, so you know what? it was a mouse. Sounds and, interesting. And technically, the funding should have came from Stanford. This is Stanford's project. Yeah. So, Stanford's right. the, so Stanford's the one who didn't want to give up the money. Yeah. Damn. Bro, this is a bunch of fucking not only fuck up not, right. not only did Stanford <laughs> fuck him by owning the patent, but he fucked him twice by saying, you know what, we're not going to give you the money. And so he got money. For you to continue with the pen. Damn. Starting up. Why you? Why? Why are you making me start off this episode just angry, bro? Well, this is a uh, fell dimensions, bro. The Chains world and um, R.I.P. This goes. Just shout out to English for the bug. Right, that's what we called it at first. The bug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the no. cursor was called the bug. Oh, the little. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Bug. Thank you for giving. No, the uh, they called it the mouse right off the bat. Oh, yeah. But it was. Uh, the what cursor was, was called the bug. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to number two, we have an individual named Morton Hiley. He was a filmmaker and a dream, and he dreamed of creating an immersive sensorial experience for cinema audience. In 1957, he created the Sensorama, a 3D video machine that let audiences experience riding a motorbike via vibrating seats and wind machines. Hiley pitched his idea to Henry Ford as a revolution show tool, but Ford denied. Now, he didn't quit there. Three years later, after the first Sensorama, he patented, he patented the Telesphere Mask, a 3D video headset in which carved the path to today's Oculus Rift and the virtual reality industry. High Lake died in 1997 before VR found an audience in its current form. Heilig had the right idea, but at the wrong time. Damn. It's crazy. Have you guys ever fucked with Oculus? No, I want yeah. to, though. You have? Yeah. Chris, Chris. Tell me about it. Oh, uh, Chris has it. Chris has it? Chris has it. Hey, hit me up, Chris. I... All right, so... The the one he has is the Walking Dead game, right? <gasps> Bro! Fuck that game. All right. If you get to, all right, so the thing is, with the Oculus... You, this one's cool because you get to choose the space you want to play oh, okay. in. Okay, right. right? So I was gonna say like, how the fuck does that work? Yeah. So there are some um, 3D games yeah, yeah. where you're supposed to set up sensors in the corner of your room. Right. And that, and then and you can play that, and, and then that that whole room becomes your, your technically your PlayStation. Right. You know, yeah. That's where you get to move around. Yeah. With the Oculus, see what I did there? All right, so with the Oculus, you use the two guns, you know, the, the two little controls. Question before you keep on going. Is that the same device that you use, like, in that game, that freaking, it's like they have laser swords or whatever? Yeah. Oh, it's that one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Keep going. Yeah, so with this one, you could choose the, the space you want to, so you, get, you, you draw the square you want to play in. Right. And once you pass that square, mm-hmm. once you move out of that square, the game disappears, and then you're able to see your actual room. Right. So as you're getting close to the to the square lines, yeah, yeah. you start seeing a gate. So like if you're playing Walking Dead and you start getting close to the gate, uh, 
start getting close to the line that becomes your border, yeah. the game starts disappearing. You start seeing a gate. And once you pass that gate, you're no longer seeing the game. And now you're seeing your room. Uh, that just becomes glasses, right? Yeah. So... I did so. I did the so. Chris has a living room, and to uh-huh. his left is his TV. Uh-huh. I did a little too close to the TV, <laughs> right? So then we're playing The Walking Dead, and one of the fucking the intro is all right. Like one of the training things is you're stuck in this warehouse, and you're supposed to walk through a bunch of containers okay. from one end to the other. Right. And as you're walking through, the zombies come out from the containers. So I'm like, oh, so you so you're able to run, whatever. And then he had so that scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Realistic, that's just fucking nuts, bro. It's Bet. nuts. And then, and then he has this other game where it's just super basic. You just this red character versus this blue character, okay. right? But you're supposed to take them out. Okay. So at first you're supposed to just grab a gun and tells you, oh, just if you want to reload, you have a gun automatically. If you have a gun, just put point down, pull the trigger, and that's how you load. Okay. So you're able just to shoot whatever. What's that fucking what's that one? A time something. It's a old arcade game. That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you had to like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's it's super low tech. It's like it's in a white room with yeah. white furniture. Just the blue figure versus red figure. Yeah. It gets to the point where at one point you have no ammo and and you're in the living room, so you're supposed to grab shit and throw it at him. <laughs> I'm a little too close to Chris's TV. <laughs> throw a TV. I grab a hammer and I'm trying to whip at the oh. dude. So I'm getting a little too close to Chris's TV and I'm like, and I start and uh, and Oculus has his headphone yeah, headset, yeah. so you're able to hear everything. Yeah. I'm slowly starting to hear because this is right. We're, we're playing right before we go to the gym, yeah. and we're starting to hear like, hey, like one of our other buddies, Yuri, was like, hey, he's getting close, he's getting too close to the TV, he's getting too close yeah. to the TV, and Chris is in the kitchen, he's like, hey, 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 <laughs> and I take him off, bro, I'm like this to the TV. I, when Chris called me, I stopped, for but, our, I, but for if our, I would have swung one more, I would have hit the shit out of his TV. And then for our listeners, by this close, he's literally like an inch away. I'm like, I'm like three, four inches from it. If I would have swung one more time, I would have hit his TV. And that was the last time he's let me play Oculus. <laughs> it's like, uh, and we're done. Damn, so he never got to see Oculus at its full potential. No, no. Well, because no. he wanted to do the smell, you smell-o-rama, you said? The sm- no, the, the sensorama. Oh, the sensorama. Yeah. Because okay. he had one with the motorcycle. Yeah. And then he had one of a belly dancer. Oh. So if you want to experience a, a be- to be a belly dancer or whatever, I guess. To uh, be a belly dancer or to yeah, see a belly both, dancer? both, both. Oh. Uh, it would, he would spray, like, there would be a sense of, like, cheap perfume as well, oh. I guess, yeah. Oh. So he created the 4D that the theaters use. Correct. That's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I need to go watch Fast, Fast 9 with that 4D. I wanna... Yeah, so people are like, <laughs> what would happen if Henry Ford actually accepted the the thing, you know? Yeah. What could have happened? He probably would have kept it himself, and we wouldn't have, and Chris wouldn't have almost not needed an ETV. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of dumb. Like, oh, let me, like, what the fuck was Henry Ford going to do with it? Uh, just a showroom thing? Like, oh, pretend- well, yeah. Like, if you want to test drive this car, you want to really test drive the car? Uh, no, nah, I'd rather sure. test drive the car. Like, here's what the car's going to seem like. No, nah, I'd, rather, I'd really. rather see what the car's going to seem like because I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Let's see what the or, car actually does. <laughs> <laughs> or hear me out. Or see this headset? You don't fucking hammer the TV. Yeah, so sadly he was never able to uh, see it at its full see potential. It. See it's full potential. But he, but it, but, but he it, is recognized. But as, it's his though, right? His it's his technology that actually no, because well, it carved the path yeah. Yeah, yeah. to it. Yeah, it's not like Scratch it's still surface. Oculus, no. But, uh, but yeah. And last but not least, we have an individual name 
that goes by the name of Wilson Great Batch. Now, he wanted to listen to and record the human heart. So he set to create a device that would do such a thing. But he failed. When attempting to record the heart's electrical impulses, Wilson chose the wrong size resistor, a device that limits the flow of electrical current. And instead of recording, the machine started to give out an electrical pulse of its own. Great Batch was not listening to the heart. He was speaking to it. Great Batch had just accidentally invented the pacemaker, a small device that's placed under the skin in your chest to help control your heartbeat, mainly utilized for individuals with irregular heartbeat, particularly a slow one. Great Batch mistake would save millions of lives over the next 60 years and continues to do so. His company till this day manufactures 90% of all pacemakers batteries. Oh. Good thing about Wilson Great Batch, he profited from everything. He lived a long life, enjoyed his life and saw his was, accidental creation. Was he here here's a quick question. This is going to this this is going to decidedly prove what kind of man he was. Right? Was he a doctor or anything in the in the medical field? Or was he just some weirdo that one day he's just... I want to hear what the heart says. That's true. I want to hear what the heart sounds like. Was he a weirdo like that? You know what? Or, or was he someone in the, in the medical profession? You think if he was really a weirdo, he would be he'd be able to go this far? Well, he, well, he was a weird. He was a he was a passion. He was a weirdo with resources, <laughs> and that's dangerous. Do you know weirdos with resources? Elon Musk. That's a huge weirdo that's a resource. Big ass weirdo. I agree. Yeah. I agree. This is him. He looks like a chill guy. Him there, he looks pretty chill. But there's some other photos that you had in there that (laughs) (laughs) remind you of uh, a little sus. What's his name? Now he was an engineer, so So he was. So he was just this weirdo. Just one. Just one day, he was just like, I wonder what the heart sounds like. It's a man of many traits. So, so his company produces ninety percent of all pacemaker batteries. Batteries. Damn. Yeah. That's, That's money. Cool. That's money. That's cool. money. He made it right. He made it right. Money. All because he wanted to hear a titty. That's probably that's probably what he wanted to do. He, he wanted, wanted to hear he, a titty. He wanted to hear what a titty sounded like. <laughs> and he went a little too far and a little too deep, and then bam, he said millions of lives. He's <laughs> like he's like you, you know he sh- he sh- he shot for the stars but landed on the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, that's a list of failed inventions that changed the world. Still mad about the first one. Yeah, it went from like shitty to like the less shitty. So, yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, I'll be mad as fuck if I was Engelbart. Man, fuck oh. Stanford. <laughs> we, are a, we, we are a fuck Stanford podcast. 100%. Now, Josh was talking about failed inventions that, that ended up becoming really that, big. That changed the world. That changed the world. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to talk about inventions that were bullshit. <laughs> Felt my <laughs> favorite <laughs> fucking bullshit. Feed me with your bullshit, Archie. So, th- so these force literal, feed me. This is literal Ooh. sci-fi. So these are inventions that were supposed to change the future, right? Yeah, these are fucking someone's fucking imagination. Someone someone took a little too many shrooms and you're like, you know what, bro? Butt plugs. <laughs> Dude, that's how they came out. Yep, butt plugs. <laughs> that's <laughs> all he said. It was so high, he's <laughs> fucking butt plugs. Plug Everyone's like, butt. proceed. I wonder how many inventions were created after some little kid watched came out of watching Star Wars. 
Hey, dude, for real? Because I've heard a lot of stories where, like, a bunch of dudes, like, were, you know, I came out of watching Star Wars in the theater, and then I was just like, yeah. yo, this that's the path I want to go to. And then, bam, they become astronauts. They become engineers. They become fucking... Yeah, because that fucking movie, like, it, it was a huge change as far as, like, what, what was it changed, the norm. Yeah. It changed sci-fi. It, it made, was fucking... It made sci-fi that a legit paved the way for, Yeah, that paved the genre. way for fucking cinema, bro. I was going to add on another segment of inventions that killed their inventors. Oh, and, uh, that's going to be epi- that's gonna be yeah. part two. That's, and a, what, that's a full episode. That's and, part two. Yeah, it's part two, part two. <laughs> and there's one of them. Uh, he's a doctor, whatever, a medical doctor, but he loved sci-fi. Like, so that was the thing. Yeah. So he really believed that he could turn uh, himself immortal living forever and the key to it like he really thought he was getting on something yeah and his key component was a blood transfusion and uh he practiced blood transfusion and he allegedly stated and wrote on his books with notes whatever that his eyesight was better uh he wasn't going bald anymore blah 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 but he what killed him was the fact that he didn't do enough research on who he was getting blood transfusion yeah, the blood transfusion from, uh-huh. and it was one of his students who had malaria. Oh. So when he, so yeah, so when the blood transfusion happened, whatever, you know, the the kid was dying, and then turned out, well, fucking, so did, so did this he. doctor. Yeah. So he thought, I'm gonna become immortal by just throwing fresh blood into my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he genuinely believed, and well, sadly, it was the death of him. That's what was dumbass guy. He played the game. Which is funny. But yeah. He played the game. The inventions that killed their inventors. There's a bunch more. That was hey, bro. That, that's going to be a good episode. Okay. We're going to make that one. Part All right, two. Part two. Part two. Part inventions two. that killed their inventors. Yeah, All right. Go. There you go. Sneak peek. Well, for, first, we'll see how this episode does. <laughs> see if part one can even survive. Yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to fund part two. <laughs> part one flop. <laughs> All right. So here, here's a. Speaking of flops. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Has there been a part two the that flop? made the part one better? Or did better than part one? In, or are you talking about in general? Or in in general, movies, games, just, you, just in for, general. For me, yeah. Yeah, what? Evil Dead. Evil Dead? Okay. Part two is way better than part one, and part two is the exact same movie. Okay. So to me, you? it's Evil Dead. Um, I think Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I enjoyed part two. I, I like the music more from part one, but the freaking overall, like, it's just hilarious as fuck, bro. I love part two. Right. <laughs> Fast and Furious part nine. <laughs> That's the second, but the ninth. No, the, the second one was the worst, bro. Uh, hey, you take that too back, fast to, bitch. Too fast to sift. Man, we're too dumb, bro. Where's the ejecto? Where's the ejecto? Ejecto Yeah, where's the ejecto airstrip, bro? bro but look, that's that's the best line. I think that's the no. reason why that that movie is even worth what, it. What the ejecto cedo? Ejecto cedo, cuz what? That's the best one. That's the best one. It's an empty cuz. Exactly. Pockets ain't empty. That's, sec- that's the second best line. Broken Says a dude who watches <laughs> fucking Smosh in 2006. <laughs> you. Oh. Bro, continue with your. Yeah, 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 continue uh, with your fucking segment, I'm about bro. about to get booted off of this fucking episode. You about to get checked Ocedo, cuz. That's what. Man. <laughs> carry on, bro. So let's talk about bullshit. Yeah, more so, bullshit. So we got, we got teleportation, right? Instant oh, transmission. The whole idea of being in a fucking chamber and being able to magically move yourself from one location to another instantly instantly Mm. right one of the most famous catchphrases in star trek was beam me up beam me up not beat me up beat me up not that one and it's a command issue when a character wishes to teleport from a remote location back to 
the Starship Enterprise. Okay. While human teleportation currently exists only in science fiction, teleportation is starting to become possible now in the subatomic world of quantum mechanics. Man, what would you do if you had teleportation? I'd teleport out of this fucking conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna fuck me up like that? I'm a fucking damn son. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna book it before I get fucking fucked up. Now, I'll. (laughs) (laughs) So, albeit the way that this works is not at all like how it's depicted in in TV, but in the quantum world, teleportation involves the transportation of information rather than the transportation of actual matter. So, instead of a physical being, it's like a bunch of zeros and ones. Now, quantum teleportation involves two distant entangled particles in which state of a third particle instantly, quote-unquote, teleports to a state of the two entangled particles. So, fancy-smancy word basically saying that that th- this kind of information este, um, is used as a copy that eventually gets transmitted somewhere else. It's basically a text message to break it down. Basically. Basically. I have an idea and I want to send it to you. Press send. It doesn't disappear from my phone to yours, but the information goes from my device to your device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so last year, scientists confirmed, and by last year I mean like 2019, scientists confirmed the information could be passed between uh, photons and a computer chips, even when the photons were not physically linked. And according to the National Science Foundation funded research by the University of Rochester and Purdue University scientists, teleportation may also be possible between electrons. In a paper published by Nature Communications and one to appear in the Physical Review X, the researchers included uh, Rochester physicians uh, John Nickel and Andrew Jordan to explore new ways of creating quantum mechanical interactions between distant electrons. This research is an important step in improving quantum computing that the scientists say that it has the potential to revolutionize technology, medicine, science by providing faster, more efficient processors and sensors. And so basically one of the things that, uh, the, that I was reading out about this is that this, the way that, that, that they want to use this kind of teleportation, mm-hmm. it's a great way, especially now where like the internet is becoming this huge fucking thing, right? And fucking <laughs> cryptocurrency is becoming this huge fucking thing. And so there's a lot of really sensitive information on the internet now. And so through this whole teleportation that they're able to send information from one side to another. By avoiding the internet. Not by avoiding the internet, but by avoiding tracing of the information. Oh, okay. You get I me? Get, I get so you. like, let's say if I want to send you. If I want to send something if, for, to yeah, you. Yeah, to me, if someone like starts taking a look at what that is, it automatically destroys itself. Okay. You get me? Mm-hmm. And that's how this 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 Perfect new cover fucking, up for nudes. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. nudes. So yeah, it's like Snapchat yeah. for nudes. Yeah, there you go for nudes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like as far as like what we know as teleportation of like it's not possible yet. Dragon Ball Z, no, yeah, because, because the way that they're, they, they're saying in, in quantum, uh, it makes mechanics, a co- it makes a copy of it, right? Yeah. So the way that in, in order for it to work properly, what it actually does is that in order for me to go from one side to another. You'd have to break down. I to need the to mo- destroy myself to the molecular level. Yeah, there you destroy go. myself and then reappear over there. In a perfect world, that would work. But because I'm destroying myself in a molecular level, being able to reconstruct myself over there is impossible. Isn't fucking impossible at this point. 
So I would literally just fucking destroy myself. It's like going to a dark hole. Like your freaking your your molecules and all that shit gets disintegrated before it can even reappear on the other side. Because it your body's just not capable of that. Of being being able to be deconstructed just to be reconstructed somewhere else. Imagine every time you teleport, you literally feel like your body's te- like your body's breaking down. Like I mean, remember feel- remember fucking that's some bullshit. The, the second uh, what is it? What is it? Fucking uh. I literally just said the fucking movie. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. When they're like like space jumping from oh yeah, different dimensions and their bodies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. So basically like yeah. that, but like if you, before you even make it to the other side, you're already fucked up. Mm. So that's fucking teleportation. Teleport. Teleportation. You lose an inch of dick. <laughs> you lose one inch every single time you so teleport. I just teleport one. So that's <laughs> that's it. it. <laughs> That's it. GG. Damn. Two on the good day for yeah. me, bro. Two on the good hot summer day. So here's another fucking bullshit invention. <laughs> what? And who would have thought that the person who came up with this bullshit invention was Nikolai Tesla? Tesla. Bro, bro, bro Tesla used to talk to pigeons. He's not as smart as we think he is. <laughs> but go on. So pigeons, his invention. Bro? Yeah, his best friend was a pigeon. And he yeah, he didn't talk to people. He talked to birds. So, well, what a and all little, his ideas bro. came from aliens that would talk to him in his dreams. There you go. We should do an episode on Tesla. On that, pigeons? That would be a good one. Tesla. I mean, I'll, let, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. your se- segment. I'll give you. Yeah, that'll be your segment. Pigeons and aliens. Tell me go. tell me about the conversations he had with his pigeons. <laughs> That's it. What does that <laughs> mean? What does that mean? I mean, continue <laughs> with your dumbass segment. <laughs> so Nikolai Tesla, he he was fucking around with death rays, bro. And pigeons? With, I mean, all the time. <laughs> but death rays, right? And this one time, Savant, who who revolutionized the world with his electro, uh, electron, Wait, electrical what? inventions, was now... The Wi-Fi. Yeah, bro. Was now a decrepit old man shuffling between hotels in Manhattan, hoarding newspapers and birdseed. When his unpaid bills at one hotel grew too large, he simply just moved to another with his waning fame only uh with his waning fame his only currency from the height of his celebrity tesla's decline had been slow but steady after his innovative work on electrical power in the late 1800s the young serbian immigrant had branched out into radio and wireless power transmission in the early 1900s newspapers worldwide reported on his ever on his every undertaking even the most eccentric such as the 20-story tower in colorado that built up huge electrical charges and shot lightning bolts at 135 feet long. The thunder generator was aud- was audible and 15 miles away. So this this dude liked to play. I wonder how loud it was worse, like where he was at. If you could hear it 100 and what, 15 miles away? 15 miles away. <sighs> Fucking deaf. Come deaf. I thought he was talking to pigeons. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. No, eardrums blown out. So. He's a wild dude. And so later when Tesla started talking about even wilder projects, including the powerful new weapon he was working on, folks paid attention. Tesla's new device, like bolts of Thor, thundered the New York Times in 1915. In fact, the new device would become dominant in the last decades of Tesla's life. But instead of lightning, Tesla said his new weapon would harness a beam of metal ions that's hurling along 270 miles per hour. What is his beam? The death ray. As as for how this beam was possible, that uh, Tesla was now was always coy, citing new laws of physics that quote unquote no one has ever dreamed about. He nevertheless bragged about his work, 
to any reporter that would listen, the all-penetrating beam would pack 100 billion watts into just 100 millionth of a square centimeter. Oh my fucking god. So you about to die. Tesla's teased his teleforce weapon uh, for decades saying that it would shoot down airplanes from 250 miles away. The press landed on different names for the invention and eventually came down to what we know as the death ray. And despite the claims to our contrary, uh, Tesla would never provide much proof that the death ray really worked. But no one would quite dismiss his idea either. After all, this was Tesla. Hype about the weapon really took off in the run-up to World War II as the Nazi Germany assembled a fearsome air force. The ability to shoot down airplanes from 250 miles away seemed like a godsend. And people in Tesla's homeland, then called Yugoslavia, begged him to return home and stall the rays to protect them from the Nazis. By the time the war began in 1939, Tesla's health had deteriorated. He was deathly skinny and prone to fainting, fainting, and by early 1943, he was in a living room on the 33rd floor of the New York Hotel near Penn Station. A do not stir sign permanently fixed to his door, and on January 8th, a maid ignored the sign, walked into the room, and found the old man dead. Reportedly naked except for his socks. He was 86 years old, and with the fate of his death ray unclear, a massive scramble began. Wait, he lived to be 86? Why the fuck did I think he died young? Six years old. Because everyone sees the, the the young photo of him. That's why you never really see what he looks like in his older age. And this is Nikolai Tesla at the age of seventy six. You know how you see like his dapper looking yeah. self. Like that's that's the most well known photo about him. Why the fuck did I think he died in his forties? Am I confusing? I'm confusing for Lovecraft. Probably. Man, how the? F- Probably. Both weird white people. Yeah. Actually, he's not even white. That's, that's me being racist. He's serving. Yeah, he's serving. There you go. Yeah. Being a dumbass. But yeah, like that was that was his thing. Like you, you, you just wanted to fucking just talk to birds and talk to birds. So he died in the middle of World War Two. That's fucking. That's another thing I didn't know about him. Yeah. I thought he died like in the like early 1900s. That's when he was uh, crazy as fuck. Bitch. For our parents, the question of what if was met with answers almost always having to do with chasing glory, with being the first. For us though, when asked that same question of, should we colonize the moon? Our answers are almost always predicated on the matter of survival. That's the difference between their generation, the baby boomer generation Mm -hmm. and our generation. When they said, should we colonize the moon? Yeah, we should do it because we should be be the first. With us, yeah, we should do it because this shit ain't gonna last. We are in a new era of lunar exploration. But before of how but before I get into how we colonize the moon and how to build the moon base, let's first get into the history of humans trying to colonize the moon. So the idea of us colonizing the moon happened way before our space age began back in 1957. Back in 1638 we started thinking about colonizing the moon then. 1638, Bro. when Bishop Dream John big. Wilkins wrote the book, A Discourse Concerning a New World and Another Planet. This is where he talks about in length how it's possible that us humans may be able to colonize a new planet, and he predicted a colony on the moon. Then in 1901, the, great, the late great H.G. Wells, he wrote The First Man in the Moon. 
which tells the story of a native lunar inhabitants with wells including real science in the story. So he actually wrote a story, uh-huh. a, fi- a, a fiction, non-fiction story about us, coloniz- about us colonizing the moon, but he actually used real science to try to make his book as believable. As legitimate as possible. As possible. Yeah. Science. And then again in 1920, Konstantin Tchaikovsky, who's known as the big daddy in the astronaut rocket world, he wrote Outside the Earth which tells the story of humans colonizing the solar system. And he describes in detail what life would be like in space, which is pretty accurate, which is really weird, which is really interesting because he wrote this in the 1920s. Mm. And there are, other, there are more literary examples that are based in science, like the moon is a harsh mistress. This tells the story of a colony on the moon fighting for, independent, fighting for their independence from Earth. A combined political commentary with space exploration with the problems and advantages of sustainability and artificial intelligence then we have earthlight which was written by big dick arthur c Clarke, and this short story was about a settlement on the moon that is caught in the middle of a war between earth and an alliance made between mars and venus against this this all was predicated on believable science and then 2001 Space Odyssey. 13 years after writing Earthlight, Clark, he collabed with Kubrick to make possibly one of the most influential, if not influential, movies of all time. 2001 Space Odyssey, the film that follows a voyage to Jupiter with the sentient computer HAL after the discovery of an alien monolith affecting human evolution. This movie, if you haven't seen it, it deals with themes of like existentialism, human evolution, technology, artificial intelligence, and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. So mad I haven't seen this fucking movie. You haven't seen it? And the theme for that fucking movie is so, so famous. Yeah. I mean... But actual, concrete concepts and designs didn't start until the 1950s like a base of inflatable modules covered in moon dust for insulation so that was an actual plan we'll make a base of inflatable modules and we're going to cover it in moon dust so you know for insulation so this plan was for spaceships to be assembled in orbit and then launched to the moon where astronauts would set up these igloo-like homes with large radio antennas Eventually building enough and going as far as doing a large enough dome Mm. that would be a permanent home with an algae-based purifier and a nuclear reactor for power with electromagnetic cannons that would launch and receive cargo as well as fuel interplanetary vessels traveling in space. Nice. This is what they were thinking of in the 1950s. Another idea was to build a structure that would float on an ocean of dust. Because at this time, there were theories that the moon was covered in mile-deep oceans of dust. So we thought, for whatever reason, that the earth, that the surface of the moon mm-hmm. was just an ocean of dust. So we're like, oh, we, we need to build basically a cloud. We're going to live on the clouds. We're going to be able to float on these miles, on these oceans of dust. Mm-hmm. So let's go through a quick recap of the moon exploration that led up until recently. 
So the exploration of the lunar surface by spacecraft began in 1959 with the Soviet Union's Luna program. Hmm. Luna 1 completely missed the moon, but Luna 2 made a hard landing. They made impact into its surface, and it became the first artificial object on an extraterrestrial body. So the Russians beat us to the moon, technically. Yep. They were the first ones to land something on the moon. Was that Sputnik? No, right? No. This was uh, Luna. It's called Luna 2. Oh, okay. Luna... How the f- how the fuck are you gonna miss the moon, bro? It's like, it's like right there. Someone fucked up in math. Bro. How was it, bro? Where is it? Like right there, bro. It's right, right, there. Oh, right there. Oh, right there. Ah, uh, bro, you, bro, just go outside and just look up and like, oh, it's right, right there. there. Oh, it's right there. <laughs> are hey, you gonna see that? Speaking rocket, of, right speaking there. Right there. Good. We had a freaking uh, a what? A, a red moon. A red like moon. Two days ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lunar eclipse. But it was. You saw it though, right? Cause I, didn't, I didn't see it. Why not? Oh. It was right there. It was, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> it was literally right there. Like I, I didn't look. I, I didn't look outside. That's why. Oh. Is, is that when you were in your? Is that when you were asleep? No, no. It was like at four in the fucking morning. Oh, oh, you were probably deadlifting. Yeah. Yeah. But how are you gonna? Do it right there. Well, the moon's huge as fuck, and it's right, right there. there. It's right there. <laughs> then U.S. president. You gonna time travel, Moses? Tell you like. Smack and be like, it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> bro, how are you going right to miss? There. It's right there. Like, <laughs> just, bro, just aim and shoot. And like, that's it. All the Russians are going to get mad at that one person who freaking threw the first one. It shows right there. Tell them, dude, it's right there. Right there. How do you say right there? In there you go. We're going to make a shirt. It just says right there. That's going to have a rocket going over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> then U.S. President John F. Kennedy in 1961 told the U.S. Congress which is two years after the Russians missed and then made it. Yeah. <laughs> he told he told the U.S. Congress, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Mm. That same year, Soviet leadership made some of its first public announcements about landing a man on the moon and establishing a lunar base. So when our president was like, we should land a person on the moon, Russia was like, we did. We almost landed a man on them. We could. <laughs> like, we could if you want. You know, we already have shit on space. Like, it's right there. That's like the equivalent of, like, a kid saying, man, that's easy. And you're like, well, do it. Man, but I don't, man. Yeah. Then, seven years later, in 1968, the Apollo 8 spacecraft orbited the moon with three astronauts on board. This was mankind's first direct view of the other side of the, the dark, side, dark of the side of the moon. Hell yeah. mm. The following year, the Apollo 11, the, the Apollo 11 lunar module landed two astronauts on the moon, proving the ability of humans to travel to the moon. They performed scientific research work there, and they brought back sample materials. Supposedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's if you don't believe in the whole... Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not going to go there. Not, not today. Because it's like right there. <laughs> Other missions to the moon continued. In 1969, the Apollo 12 mission landed next to the Surveyor 3 spacecraft, demonstrating precision landing capability. The US, the USA was basically flexed on the Russians. They are like, look, the first time you guys shot, you guys missed it. We are able to land right next to each other. That's how good we are. And then the use of a crewed vehicle on the moon's surface was demonstrated in 1971 with our lunar roving vehicle during Apollo 15. Apollo 16 made the first landing within the rugged lunar highlands. 
interest, you know, and then the interest in exploring the moon was beginning. People were starting to get over it. No one wanted to give a shit. The new Mustang came out. Fucking MASH was on. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix. People were like, fuck the moon, bro. Earth is kind of the shit. So in 1972, the Apollo 17 was the final Apollo lunar mission. Fun fact. Did you know that Mustangs were met, created for females? It was supposed to be a female car? I think so. Ma- mainly targeted for, like, secretaries. That's what, like, the whole convertible, all that shit was yeah, meant yeah. for the secretaries. It was, like, female car. Yeah. But then men tend to modify it and slowly but surely start to become. I mean, you, you know what? Loki, I believe it because high heels started off as as, as shoe wear for men. Hmm. Yeah. Heels were, were a man thing. And eventually... Sober dresses. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm bringing that back. Bring it back. Yeah, please don't. Bring a kilt. Yeah. No undies. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Why are you going to wear... You got to go wear, commando, bro. Why are you going to wear boxes if you, you're covered up already? <laughs> <laughs> you about to get some of that butt ring, bro. <laughs> so, you know, Apollo 17 was the final mission. Yeah. And then they're just like, fuck it. We're done with the moon. We're just... We're, we're going to look for some space titties. No, not even. We're just like, we're just going to focus on our space shuttle mm. and we're just going to orbit the Earth around. That's going to be our mission now because we already went to the moon. It's hot. It's cold. It's dark. Been there. Done that. There's nothing else. You know, it's right there. Yeah. It's yeah, right, like there. right there. Why, why don't we it's get right there? It's right there. It's right there. So then the Soviet crewed lunar programs failed to send a crewed mission to the moon. The Soviets tried but failed trying to send some of the Russians <laughs> to the moon. They missed again. Completely like oh. how it's like right there, right there, part two. In 1966, <laughs> bro, Luna one, Luna one missed, Luna two made it, but it was just a robot. Yeah. Now they're in Luna nine, and they they still haven't they they still like they keep like they keep fucking up like, and, like it's right there, bro. Who's shooting? So, so the Luna nine was the first probe to achieve a soft landing and return close up shots of the moon's surface. Mm. Luna 16 in 1970. Look, you gotta whatever you can say whatever you want about the Russians, but these motherfuckers are persistent. It's been seven years. This is their 16th try. They're like, we're gonna keep doing this shit. Wait, of of people that that they're shooting people up there. It's the Russians. So apparently, no. I mean, there's that one famous fucking um monkey. No, what? What? Is it Russian monkey? <laughs> no, there is. Well, talk, this is a conspiracy theory, but there is. I don't know if it's audio or a written testament or something right. about an ex-Russian rest astronaut saying Russians are sending people to the moon, but they're just not telling anybody. And they keep sending, they keep shooting them over the moon. Those motherfuckers are in space. They're dying. <laughs> they're blowing up in orbit, but they're just not telling anybody. So they only let you know the successes, but not the failures. No, well, not even then. They're not even telling this shit. They're not even saying there's people. They're oh. just saying like, oh, it's Luna Nine. What is it? Oh, it's just a bunch of just a robot that went out on the moon. Yeah. But that's just being fucking manned by people, and they're just blowing up in space. Yeah. They're being overshot. Like these motherfuckers are just oh, they're just sending man. they're just sending people they're just grabbing people from the gulag and just sending <laughs> them further in space. Hey, tell us what it looks like up there, bro. Dead. So, the, this is they, remember they started in '61 with Luna One. Okay. It's been nine years. 1970. They're already in Luna 16. What? Motherfuckers are persistent. They're sending like two a year. <laughs> they're, just, <laughs> they're just shipping motherfuckers. So let's see what happens this time. So then in 1970 and 1973, two robotic rovers landed on the moon. And then there was the Lunar 1. He explored the lunar surface for 322 days. They had a robot that's... A Russian robot that was just... 
dipping, riding dirty on the moon for almost a whole year, just taking pictures. Mm. What was he bumping, bro? It's ni- it's nineteen seventy, so whatever Russian whatever <laughs> Russian <laughs> shit was hot in nineteen seventies. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say Ramstein, but that's not till like ninety two. Nope. So nineteen seventy four. Is that Russian, the only Russian though. artist you know? Wait, are they even Russian? They're not even they're German. They're but German. German. Bro, what are you it's right there? <laughs> 19- He's a fucker that's telling him to shoot, bro. In <laughs> Are you shooting, bro? In 19- I would have been. It's like right there. How am I going to miss? In 1974, it saw the end of the Soviet moonshot. They were like, all right, we're done. It's been like 13 years. We're 20 lunars in. That's it. <laughs> that's it. We're done. So they And they quit two years after the last American crew landed. So America... They, America landed like straight. America, we keep landing people and we stopped. And the Russians were like, no, we got to keep going. <laughs> and two years after we stopped, they're just like, you know what? <laughs> we're done. Like, we're running out of people. <laughs> like, we can't be, I mean, like, we can't, we just can't be sending other people. Damn. So, so they're just like, they're, they're done. But in the decades following interest in exploring the moon, it faded considerably. Again, the Mustang was out, the fucking Pong was the shit. Mm. Well, that's right. Pac-Man was out. Fucking Matt. Does Mash come out in the seventies? No, right? Nah, I was like, I mean, we were stuck in the Vietnam War. Oh, you know, no. we were, we were we were all over the place. We got our shit. Yeah. So there was only only a very small amount of people even gave a shit about the moon. Mm-hmm. Then in 1984, we found evidence of ice on the moon, and that's when people started like, oh, what what the fuck? There's ice. There's ice. That means there's water. There's water. That means we could probably fucking make farms up there and shit. Yeah. So then in 1988, the discussion, they started talking about the discussion. Well, they started talking about things all over again. And then the potential growth of a Chinese space program. In the China, so in 1998, we started talking, everyone started talking about going to the moon again. Yeah. And the United States is like, you know what? I don't know. We don't know if we're going to do this. You know, we have other things. You know, our president's over here getting blown by Monica Lewinsky. You know, we have a lot of shit going <laughs> on. And the Chinese said, we have our own space program. And we're going to start sending motherfuckers to the moon. And the U.S. like, say what? And the U.S. is like, huh? Said, and then that started the space. That's kind of started our interest again in the space program. Yeah, yeah. And then in 2004, U.S. President George W. Bush, he called for a plan. He's like, I I guarantee by the year 2020, we will have man back on the moon. 2021, never happened. Nah. We in Mars, though. No. Not manned. Oh, yeah. So then, and then in 2010, due to a reduced congressional NASA appropriations, President Barack Obama, he halted the Bush's administration's earlier lunar exploration initiative. He's like, look, whatever Bush said, scrap it. And he directed a generic focus on crewed missions to asteroids and Mars. Barack Obama's like, look, we're not going to go to the moon right there. <laughs> we're not going to go. We're going to focus on asteroids and Mars. So if the moon is right there, then where's Mars? It's like further back. That's why he's like, if we need to go to the moon, we could just go to the moon whenever we want. And like, it's right there. We should focus on going further, like to Mars and on asteroids. Because, like, it's easier to carpool on an asteroid than, you know. You just hop on an asteroid. What? Yeah, if you're gonna fly somewhere far, yeah, how are you gonna carry enough gas to make enough fuel to travel light years away? You don't. So what you do is you shoot yourself 
aim your shit toward an asteroid that's going in the direction where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And you just carpool as far as you can on that asteroid. And then whenever it's going off course or whenever you need to go, you're you able dip. to go off. And hopefully you're able to get on another asteroid yeah. that'll keep you, keep you keep going further and further. That's space exploration right now. What the fuck? We got a carpool. Bro. Gas is expensive. Where are you going to fill up Gas there? is expensive. There's, there's, no, there's no Chevron in space, bro. There's no AMPNs where you can just stop. <laughs> not yet, bro. Not yet. That's true. Not yet. Yeah. And then finally, in 2019, Archie, your president, Trump, he called my for a, president. He called for a crude moon America. mission. In that ain't two, my president. In 2024, I'm to be the focus of NASA. So president, so your Wait, president. What? I'm brown as fuck. I'm the brownest one here. You're tan, not brown. <laughs> I'm caramel. <laughs> so Trump in 2019 said, "We are going to be sending man back to the moon, and I guarantee it by 2024." And then NASA's like, "No, it's not going to happen." <laughs> And Trump's like, all right, 2028. And then that's where we're still on it. NASA's like, Bi- yeah, Biden's like, he hasn't changed anything. NASA's like, no one's saying anything. I think we can still land people. I so, mean, so I mean uh, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like right there. It's like, right there. It's they, right there. they submitted the plan. They did everything. They submitted everything to Congress. Yeah. But as of August 2019, no talks about funding or any plans have been agreed on. Yeah. It hasn't been denied. So it has been dismissed. It hasn't uh, been dismissed. But it's uh, probably, you know. So it's like it's not, it's, it's it's not a full yes, but well, it's I mean, also not a no. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, also Trump, submit, he probably submitted a billion shits to Congress to try to pass. He probably has like a million plans for the for the, for the border wall. Yeah. They got to look through everything. And the NASA 2028 fucking space shuttle plans, they probably fucking lost somewhere in there. They'll, they'll probably look at it by the time it hits 2028. They'll probably, <laughs> probably get denied. to it by then. Denied. <laughs> By 2020, we're gonna be in the fucking. We're gonna be in Mars, and we, Congress is like, "Why you want to go to the moon?" It's like right there. We're over there already. Yeah, like we want to go right there, but we're trying to go over, over there. there. <laughs> so since the 1950s, we've been told. So I'm gonna turn this into a drinking game. <laughs> I wish you told. I'm, I'm making an ad at the beginning of the episode <laughs> for, for the drinking game. Count how many? For no, not count. For every time I say, it's just right there. You, you take a shot. It's right there. Shot. Yeah, oh, like right, right there. there. Right there. Okay. <laughs> that's right like, there. That's fucking five shots, bro. Someone's already drunk. You're done. And they're done. not going to finish this episode. We are not responsible for any alcohol poisoning. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we Trump are responsible? Yeah. No. Yeah. You, can, you can send your hospital bill to WoW. No. He'll take care of it right there. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, it's right there. So, so since the 1950s, we've been told we need to go to the moon. We need to be the first to the moon. But outside of plans of getting to the moon and then building bases and then telling us we need to go to the moon, no one really tells us why the fuck we should go to the moon. Yeah, we just gotta go. Yeah, like why? They're just like, don't worry about it. why. Just we just, just need to just go. Go. Do you guys want to hear some advantages and dis- disadvantages? Yeah, on tell me about the moon? this fucking. Does no one else is fucking telling this us? Space manifest destiny shit. I mean, I mean, it's right there, bro. So outside of waving our big red, white, and blue dicks from the moon. Colonizing the moon would give us plenty of material for construction and other uses for space. So it's like we already ha- like we need dirt, we need something to construct. We already have it. We already have a fucking yard in, uh, as the moon. Mm. The moon could be whatever. If we need to build something in space, we could grab materials from the moon instead of coming back to Earth. That's mm. a huge advantage. Okay. Okay. You know, if we're in space, we need to build some shit. We could just build it over there. Build it in the moon, and then you have to come back to Earth. Mm. Also, 
creating a shield to block cosmic radiation. Hmm. What? We go to the moon so we can build the shield to block us from cosmic radiation. Oh. For example, like the harmful rays of the sun. Right. Right? If shit starts getting a little wacky, if Earth starts getting hot and we need to do something, we can build something on the moon to, to block protect us. Yeah, to protect oh, us. Right? Okay. It would also be a lot easier to send objects from the moon to space rather from Earth to space yeah. because of the energy required will be a lot less. Because remember, you want to send something from Earth to space, you got to deal... Distance. Well, not only that, but you also got to deal with Earth's gravity. And, and fucking you're, atmosphere and... What is it called? Yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah. And because of Earth's gravity, you need more energy, just more propulsion to, push it, to push it out. But in the moon, you can just flick Boop. it. Yeah, and it just fucks off. Boop. You know what I mean? And also, rockets launched from the moon would require less propellant than rockets mm. launched from the moon. And weirdly enough, we could see the effects of the moon's gravity, which is a lot less than Earth's, on humans. Which to date kind of suggests that it may be vital for fetal development and would be amazing for long-term human health. That's if you're staying there. In, in space. Yeah. That's if you're staying in the moon. If you turn, you're going to the moon and coming back, the whole well, yeah, you're fucked. Here's a little small excerpt from science.nasa.com explaining these long-term health effects. Facts. Blood feels gravity too. On Earth, blood pools in the feet. When people stand, the blood pressure in their feet can be high, about 200 millimeters of mercury. In the brain though, it's only 60 to 80 millimeters of mercury. So in space, where the familiar pool of gravity is missing, the head to toe gradient vanishes. Blood pressure equalizes and becomes about a hundred millimeters of mercury throughout the body. So, oh, so the blood pressure, blood pressure effects, all that shit, yeah. gone. Yeah. That's why astronauts can look weird when they come back, because their faces, they're filled with fluid. They puff up, and their legs which can lose about a liter of fluid each then out. So because you have less, because everything's kind of even. Yeah. There's no parts that are fatter than others. Everything's kind of even. So now you're. You have enough blood, you know, you have just the right amount of blood that you need. You've been looking plump. But that shift in blood pressure also sends a signal. Our bodies expect a blood pressure gradient. Higher blood pressure in the head raises an alarm. That's how we get those headaches and things of that nature. Mm. The body has too much blood. That's the alarm that the head raises when, it's, when the higher blood pressure happens. So within two to three days of weightlessness of just being in the just being in fucking in, on the moon, astronauts can lose as much as 22 percent of their blood volume as a result. Can lose? They lose of the 22 percent of their blood five. volume. Where does it go? Damn! They just <laughs> <laughs> how? It's Wait, just, what? It's just not there anymore. Does, does it fucking teleport out? But this also affects the heart too because if you have less blood then your heart doesn't need to pump as hard right so those are some effects that will could affect us if we stay living on the moon mm -hmm. but here are a few more advantages and disadvantages to colonizing the moon let's start with advantages 
building observatory observatory facilities on the moon from lunar materials allows allows many of the benefits of space-based facilities without the need to launch these into space. Like I said, if we build shit on the moon, we can launch them from the moon rather than from the earth, which means we're going to need less materials, less propellant. You know, we're just going to need a lot less materials in general to send shit into space. We're sending it from the moon. Another advantage, certain craters near the poles are permanently dark and cold, and thus especially useful for infrared telescopes and radio telescopes on the far side would be shielded from the radio chatter of Earth. So if we build teleports, I mean teleports, if we build antennas and radio towers on these craters, we're not we're not going to be able to hear all the because uh, apparently if you if you're on the chatter, you have to choose your own channel because you'll be able to pick up everything from Earth. Mm. So someone so technically someone could be spying on you. So the Russians could be spying on the US if they're trying to talk to each other yeah. because you're using the earth you know whatever but if you are in one of these craters all that all that shit's gone because you are being hidden you are being you're not longer being incognito yeah. gold, motherfucker. Ah, yeah. and then a farm at the lunar north pole could provide eight hours of sunlight per day during the local summer by rotating crops in and out of the sunlight which is continuous for the entire summer a beneficial temperature radiation protection Insects for pollination and all other plants needs could be artificially provided during the local summer for a cost. So one estimate suggested that half a hectare space farm could feed a hundred people. So building shit on the moon, you'll be so being on the moon, you're able to build your own farm, and because of and you're able to build your farm, you know, we could build farms on the moon. That's a good advantage. The disadvantages. Da -da -da. The long nights on the moon would kick us in the dick when it comes to trying to rely on solar power. Mm. It would also mean that any lunar base would need to be created to withstand the extreme temperature changes, like I mentioned before we started the episode, yeah, yeah. with the night being negative 172 fucking degrees. You know who survived there? Me. Moses. But I, not during the day, because it'd be 127 degrees. Oh, he'd be dead and during he's the dead. day. He'd be D D. He's dead. dead. Fucking dead. You know what? I went to Vegas during the summer. It was 132. I survived. What? Yeah. Well, uh, it was how 132? much of the time were you indoors though? That's not the point. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna be. Out, I'm not gonna be out when the. That's true. I mean, you wouldn't be outdoors to begin with. You'd be in your little. Your in your what? Little shuttle. Your Doing little, what? Your Doing little, what? Your little crib. What do you do in your little crib? <laughs> what Moses always does. Uh, yeah. Just, just be sleep. Just watch an interview with the vampire, bro. Oh. Living on the moon also means being exposed to twice as much space radiation since there's no atmosphere protecting oh. us, which would be a huge, huge health threat. So if you're going to step out, you better put on that sunblock because the sun is going to fuck you, you need hard. That, you'd need that SPF 1000. Nah, she got to be over 9,000. At least. Minimum. At least. You know, so one of the advantages I said is we could grow a farm. One of the disadvantages is that growing crops on the moon is fucking hard. Do, and it's mainly hard because of the whole shift in temperature. Yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't know, the lunar nights are long. A night on the moon lasts 354 hours. What the Someone, fuck? someone do the, what the fuck's the math? Was three hundred and fifty-four divided by twenty-four? 
Is that 354? Uh-huh. I, I say six days, seven days? It's almost 15 days. Oh, my God. So one one night on the moon it lasts two weeks, <laughs> and you only get eight hours of sun. That sounds perfect, to be honest. For me, <laughs> a two-week ra- uh, rave or what, bro? You you know what's that one movie with fucking Reddick? Reddick, Reddick. Yeah, right. Is, isn't that what happens? How the fuck do you guys? All right. Well, I mean, no, because they're not on the moon; they're on Mars. Right, but like the nights aren't they fucking long as fuck? Or no, something they're like cold. That? Oh, they're cold. They're cold. Oh, okay. and they have fucking creatures. Yeah, yeah, bro. and the creatures only come out I think at night. Night. Yeah. Imagine that's what fucking happens and in the moon. Darkness. Yeah, it's pure darkness too. Bro, yeah, I'll, I'll be scared. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go do a bitch. Uh, did, did you guys see? Uh, did you see Monster Hunter? You still haven't seen it, huh? Monster Hunter? No. The movie? No. Yeah, Monster Hunter. I mean, it's not on the moon. It's not or anything. But there's these big ass spiders that come out at night. Yeah, yeah. That's horrible. So I, I, I don't want to imagine what kind of animals come out at night. Yeah, we on the fucking moon. Can't fucking see shit, bro. Those motherfuckers must be sh- must be shielded. Yeah. With some sort of armor to withstand that negative 172 degrees. You think they always stay in the dark? That's like, hypothetically speaking, like, we have these creatures that fucking lurk out in the night that they're always like in the dark side of the moon. I mean, I hope not. I hope there's no creature out there that could adapt to survive in such extreme. I mean, we have creatures that. The bottom, on the, of the bottom fucking of the bottom ocean, of the ocean with We're like, what the fuck? Well, fucking huge as fucking... Yeah, but, but I mean, they can withstand fucking pressures of... ¿Sabe cuánto? Tons of fucking... Fucking, bro. You thought gravity was... Was fucking... Big here on, 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 on land? That's hey, look, there. Bro, I just want to see some space titties. Space uh, strip club was. Space strip club. Speaking yeah. of... How? <laughs> here's my ending. Here's, here's my, the other titties will just. Here's my ending. <laughs> warp. Here's my ending so statement. Warping titties. Here's my ending statement. Okay. But how long, if this is all possible, would it take for us to be like, you know what else this bitch needs? A fucking wing stop. Wings. Because let's face it, if we do start to colonize the moon. And somehow managed to have a sustainable lunar economy. Yep. It would only be a matter of time before a new Las Vegas opens up in a crater somewhere. And suddenly we turn the moon into our own personal moron mountain. Now I think we kind of already realize that humans are kind of fucking up the earth. And eventually we keep on going this route. We don't do anything about it. She's gonna get really bad. I mean, I have my TV on, my <laughs> light, full blast. It's daytime. My AC's on. Two I have two on. monitors on. I'm not doing any. I'm not doing this world any favors. But go on. <laughs> hey, bro, dim, dim the lights. Let me help. <laughs> the let damage has been done already, Moses. Yeah, too late. Too late. Let it be. Too late. Let it be. Too late. You, you killed. You killed five deer, ten geese. I guess sleep with guilt. A hundred pigeons. Bitch. How do you feel? I fuck a pigeon. <laughs> Shut on my car all the time, bro. <laughs> That's, That's why. That's the reason why. That's why. Well, why do you think I'm doing this? Because they keep shitting on my, <laughs> shitting on my car. And never-ending cycle. Battle so, of pigeons, huh? So this guy, by the name of Alan Marshall, mm-hmm. recently kind of like came up with an idea of, okay, well, let's say we finally... We're, we finally realize, okay, we got too far. Let's fucking do something about it. Let's... let's, let's um, okay. 
let's undo all the fucking mess that we did, right? Well, bro, you can't unfuck what's been fucked, bro. Right? What if you could? That's what we're getting. Ah, there, there, what there. if you see? could unfuck see? what's been fucked? Yeah, he's 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 freaking breaking your law, your law of physics over here. Yeah, yeah. And so, named by the, the the guy by the name of Alan Marshall, he came up with this imaginary world, which is called Ecotopia. 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 Okay. And so he predicted that by 2020, 2121, 2121, 2121. Yeah. Right. That cities all over the world will create this environmentally friendly utopia. <laughs> Doubt it. And so he, he kind of pinpointed a few major cities all over the world of what they would look like. And so here, here are some of ex- his examples of uh, what they will turn into. Okay. And we okay. follow this this ecotopian um, Blueprint. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a place called Accra, which is the capital of Ghana. And this place is usually exposed by disastrous floods every fucking year. That's just, that's just natural over there. And it's been made uh, worse by climate change as well as unregulated construction and dumping in and around its waterways. Mm. In this imagined future, locals would seek to procure housing above the flood line by building low-cost tree cabins in the nearby forest. So their plan of like, you know... Just move further back and move into the forest. Yeah, moving into the forest and building these homes as like tree houses. So like they're like freaking these huge, typical homes, regular fucking house, but literally up in the tree, you know. And of course, Ghana has one of the highest defore- deforestation rates in the world. And so, but by twenty one twenty one, the forest has become a home for some of its citizens. And Accra's new citizens will protect the forest ecosystem from those who would destroy it, such as logging, mining, oil, and oil companies. So, they would stop the deforestation. They'd keep the trees, grow them fucking huge and strong, and then they would build homes on top of those trees. That's amazing, bro. Be, look, be looking like a fucking Tarzan episode, bro. Now let's take a see. Let's take a look at see what London in twenty one twenty one will look like. Fucking London. So in the summer of twenty one twenty one, during an economic downturn, hundred thousand pensioners take the streets of London, the British capital, to protect the cuts in pensions and education, shutting down the entire city. Hmm. In doing so, they're bringing along their grandchildren, giving them something interesting to do and mind them. By the summer's end, the protest is despair and the government's poor response, so they take matters into their own hands, staging a permanent occupation. The pensioners convert uh, some 20 kilometers of London into a large eco-village, transforming the unoccupied offices into homes, sowing garden lots on the street corners, and setting up eco-businesses to trade products and services. In the process, all the children will get free education from the experienced elders and these various green arts and crafts. So basically, what they're saying is like, Don't they're, they're, the done with, they're done with the government. They're like, you guys aren't doing shit. We're going to fucking take over. And then they would create this huge village where all these empty spots that were... That Apartment were gov- buildings. That office were gov- buildings. Yeah, that were office buildings, government facilities, and all that stuff. They are recreate them into these kind of eco-friendly lots. Nice. Now let's see what Los Angeles will look like in 2121. The Southern California city of Los Angeles once had a great network of tramways, but it was systematically brought up and then closed down by a group of conspiring 
auto manufacturing companies. As the world's oil is depleted by the end of this century, cars will become useless and trams will make a comeback in Los Angeles. The unused freeways would then be redeveloped into vegetated greenways, such as such greenways are suited for pedestrians and cyclists, but will also act as ecological corridors, connecting populations of wild plants and animals around the city that would otherwise be isolated. Hmm. The retired cars would then serve as part of the fabric of high-density buildings, creating architectural styles whereby people live and work in smaller structures within tighter-knit communities. This means this would mean that cities such as Los Angeles would not need to sprawl further into the countryside and wildlands. So all the, 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 the cars that were like, I mean, they're pointless, there's no oil by then, they would use that as material to create the buildings around them. Hmm. And because, I mean, I don't know if you know the story about freeways and how that happened. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, fucking, bro, I did not realize that, that the, the movie Roger Rabbit was like a, a cartoon version of what the fuck happened. Because, bef- yeah, the, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at it again. So what happened was uh, before freeways came to be, before, like, cars became this really huge thing that everyone uses, you know, in California and SoCal, um, we had the electric car, right? We had these trolleys, basically. And that was a way of navigating to the city. Everyone fucking loved the trolleys. You know, you go from one place to another, you're good fine you're dandy you don't have to worry about all that shit and so auto, auto manufacturers they, they developed this plan of like you know what fuck that let's create a freeway the freeway you choose where you want to go you go wherever the fuck you want and so they could start constructing these freeways and in constructing the freeways no one cared for the electric the electric car anymore and so the electric car went bye-bye right and in, in response to that um then Metro and the Metro links and all that stuff was like kind of like the new electric yeah. electric car, right? Mm. But because so many people are using freeways now, it like it's that's the constant competition. And so since at this point there's no oil, cars are useless, it would bring back that form of public transportation where we no longer need freeways anymore and now we have like you know, the electric car again. Bet you the 105 and the 405 are still going to be fucking traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another place that we have here is uh, the Rakohu, known as English as the uh, Catham Islands. Rakohu is in uh, in the uh, Pacific Ocean, which is 650 kilometers southwest of New Zealand. It's an ancestral home to the the, Pas- the Pacific uh, Maori people who came to wear the feathers of the native uh, albatross and the hair of the symbolic peace during the 500 years they lived in the uh, archipelago. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that shit wrong. In the 19th century, British uh, sealers and the, Mar- the Maori warriors from the New Zealand discovered the islands. The sealers decimated the colonies of the animals introduced devastating diseases to which the Maori had no immunity. Then the Maori staged a violent takeover in the islands, slaughtering and enslaving the remaining Maori. The Maori refused to give up their their uh, pacifist ideals, pacifist ideals, to fight against the invaders. While this history suggests the pacifism uh, is only going to get killed or enslaved, the Maori who survive today uh, believe otherwise. They maintain that the pacifists mean that they lived in peaceful society for five centuries, and by 2121, their small capital city on the lagoon is now home to peace school that expounds the virtues of pacifism in the rest of the world. 
So basically, the ancestors of, of the Mori would come back and take over what was taken from them a long time ago. And then the last one I'll go ahead and talk about is uh, Tokyo from 2121. Mm. And after nuclear meltdown just out of town, a vast radioactive cloud sweeps oh, over future Tokyo. Yeah, it's Godzilla. He came in. Everyone must be evacuated, and a few hardy nuclear families tough it out in the moon base homes, which they, which are impervious to radiation. Impervious to radiation. Everything these families eat and drink must be produced and recycled within these homes. Then they step outside, they must don protective clothing or quote-unquote moon suits. But because Tokyo suddenly depopulated is not nearly as noisy and stressful as before, if hell is other people, as a French philosopher uh, Jean-Paul Jean Satire suggested, then Tokyo 21, 21 is a utopia. Wildlife also rebounds, albeit in a mutated manner. So, basically, some fucking the nu the the uh, uh, nuclear. Um, so we have a radioactive utopia. Yeah, <laughs> basically. We have Chernobyl, and, but like good. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. A positive Chernobyl. Positive Chernobyl. So like the people who like were like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna just stay. You know, they they end up becoming self-sufficient in their homes that like protect them from fucking radiation. So these are some of the, the the possible futures that this guy has thought about of ways that we could kind of backtrack from. A way that will positive, yeah. All right, you know. Is he on shrooms? He might be. Let me look at these, this artwork, bro. I'll be, and we'll be posting these uh, some of these uh, ecotopias on our Instagram, We History Eerie Tales Pod, so you guys could. See, right. see the craziness of it. So Achi mentioned, you know, LA freeways are basically just long gardens where some some will be able to walk, some are meant for animals. Yeah. He mentioned positive a positive Chernobyl. Yeah. Now imagine living in an overpopulated world that's been ravaged, fucked by overpopulation, pollution, climate changes. A world where the oceans are dead. There's not enough food to go around, and it's humid year-round. So literally the opposite of what you just talked about. Basically the opposite. We're like, you know what? We're not going to try to prevent shit. If this sounds familiar, that's because you've seen this movie. That is the world of Soylent Green. Set in the year 2022, Soylent Green only shows us New York where unchecked catastrophes have exhausted almost all natural resources. Overpopulation is so out of control that millions of people sleep in staircases and hallways and inside broken down cars. Then there are those who are fortunate enough to have an apartment, but even they must power their apartment through stationary bikes. The movie followed Detective Thorne, who's investigating the murder of a top executive for a company called Soylent Corporation. So the movie follows Detective Thorne who's investigating the murder of a top executive for Soylent Corp. The company responsible for making and redistributing the food rations that feed these millions of homeless, which come in three colors. Red, yellow, and green. Pokemon. Yeah. That's true. So Soylent Green, the reason why I'm bringing up Soylent Green is because Soylent Green is a big 
y'all better watch the fuck out or else kind of film. Primarily putting most of the blame on the greenhouse effect, which is when the ray's sun can't escape into space, thus heating the planet up. The movie also wags its I told you so finger at our out of control industrialization and technological advances. There are no trees or living animals on earth, no visible plant life or livestock, which then turns food into a literal hot commodity. But the most demand of the wafers in this movie is the Soylent Green with its high protein content. But as you go deeper into the movie, you realize that it's not made from the soy and lentil or lentil or extracted from plankton. There's a scene in the movie where the police run out of wafers and the crowd goes wild and they start rioting. Then out of nowhere, this orange garbage truck with the tractor's bucket moves in and starts scooping people up and tossing them into the back of the truck. At this point in the movie, you think they're just getting arrested. But once you get to the end and you realize that Soylent Green... I don't want to say spoilers because this movie is fucking older than me. So you haven't seen it by now. If you haven't seen it by now, I mean, if you haven't... I mean, I just saw it today, but... <laughs> I mean, I saw most... I've seen them in parts, but... Point I read is, about it. <laughs> I read about it. I read about it. Point is, once you realize that Soylent Green is actually made out of people... What? Then that scene takes on a whole new meaning. So... The, so basically, this company, Soylent Corporation, is basically feeding people to people, and that's the extremes of what they need, how they need to go about by for feeding all these millions of people. And here's a perfect take on the movie, and their whole cannibal, cannibalism thing, from FirstPost.com. This cannibalism trope is however used to shock us into action against environmental degradation and gradual resource depletion. It acts as a condemnation of a consumerist culture which eventually begins to consume itself. The throwaway society we currently live in wastes about one-third of the food we produce. According to an IPCC report, this in turn increases greenhouse emissions and fractures the four pillars of food security, availability, access, utilization, and stability of supplies. Priyadarshi Shuka, which is the co-chairman of the IPCC Working Group III said, food security will be increasingly affected by future climate change through yield declines, especially in the tropics, increased prices, reduced nutrient quality, and supply chain disruptions. So this could pop. This is a possibility that we could end up as a society having to eat ourselves because of the overpopulation. We're wasting food. There's not going to be enough to go around. So what do we do to avoid fucking ourselves and to want and to eating one another on a planet whose only season is summer? Well, according to the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, we have to control and keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius, which seems impossible considering these horribly scary fucking facts. Every month of, in the year 2020 except December, 
was in the top four warmest on record for that month. In the year 2020, that was the second warmest year on record ever. What? 2020 came just 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit shy of tying 2016 for the warmest year ever on Earth. Hmm. The 10 warmest years to have ever been recorded have occurred since 2005. What? From nineteen from the nineteen hundred from nineteen from nineteen hundred to nineteen eighty, a new temperature record was set on average every thirteen and a half every thirteen and a half years. But from nineteen eighty one to two thousand nineteen, a new record was set every year and a half. Nice. It's not a win I want. So if I die, I die. So the lead author of this report, his name is Louis, he warns us and says this. We'll lose all natural subsidy if we continue down this dangerous path. We absolutely must protect the quality of all the land used to produce food. He says if we don't control the way we produce food, we're going to fuck ourselves into extinction. Yeah. So it's up to us to keep calling for our world leaders to try and continue fighting climate change and to stop mortgaging the well-being of future generations for a current economic well-being or else we'll be forced to live in broken down Honda Civics sweating our assholes off fighting for a wafer that is likely made from someone you used to know. And that is the grim end to our episode on the day of tomorrow. We still don't have a title for this episode. It's, just, it's a working <laughs> we title. We don't, we don't, we don't. It's a working title. Today's yesterday, tomorrow. Yeah, but basically all the experts are saying we're fucked. Soiling green is most likely our outcome rather than this ecotopia that yeah. Achi was talking about. Yeah. But luckily, luckily, there is still time to reverse it and... I'm luck. I'm glad that a lot of these old people that are voting against our own interest are fucking dying and getting removed from office. And all these young and our generations are the yeah. ones that are looking forward to it. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully, we'll be able to fucking move away from the iceberg before we fucking hit. Yeah, bro. If not, we're gonna be fucking sweating our asses off inside our Honda Civics. I don't want to be my Miata. Imagine live. Imagine living in your Miata. Hell no. Imagine my fat ass living in my Civic. Jeez, you'll fit more in your Civic than I would in my Miata. My Civic is comfortable. I'm just talking shit. But yeah, that, that's basically our episode on fut- inventions that were supposed to save the future that ended up just being. What was your thing again? <laughs> At this point, I don't know, bro. But well, oh, failed inventions and changed the world. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, failed inventions to change the world. Objects are just, just failed inventions that were supposed to change the future. Yeah. And then, you know, what our future was supposed to be. Yeah. The moon. Future predictions. How Russians missed the moon. I don't know how they did it because it's like it's right there. <laughs> and then two, po- two polar opposite yeah. fucking possibilities of what our, 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 what our futures could look like with us 
slowly steering toward the shitty version rather than you know yeah, the all like, natural version. Well, yeah, exactly. Because at this point, it looks like Starlight Green is way more possible, a lot quicker than my Ecotopia is. Yeah, by I think they said if we don't reverse anything, if we don't if we don't start fixing things by the year 2050, it's yeah irreversible. We're we're done. Starlight Green's for sure gonna happen. Yeah, and then it's like. All right, Sadie, good luck. <laughs> I got to tell my younger sister, all right, bro, good luck. It's up to you now. Yeah. You, you, better f- you, better, you better go outside and find a car that's fucking comfortable for you to sleep in. Because <laughs> the soil and green shit is not a joke. Yeah, bro. Yeah, but look, like my brother said, just looking up all this, sh- like looking up all this info, is like looking up all the info for this episode, you start realize, you start seeing a bunch of interesting shit that you normally, that you normally wouldn't have fucking normally what I've seen yeah one of the scariest things that I was gonna talk about that I'm so glad I didn't was how horrible our future is looking in terms of inventions that have that have fuck and will fuck up our future horrible bro like man like man-made plagues like plagues that could be man-made like for, like we're still we're still not sure about the whole corona thing if it's man-made or not first it wasn't man-made now it's man-made i yeah, don't know because the fucking what is it the origin of it is like all over the place yeah at first it was wuhan now it's no longer wuhan you know at first at first we thought the coronavirus came because a fucking bat pissed on a raccoon that was in a cage in the swami somewhere bro <laughs> that's oddly specific <laughs> well, yeah but i mean that's what it was and someone yeah. ate that fucking raccoon that was pissed and on by spread. this bat yeah so yeah. oh man i don't know but not gonna lie i feel like i've been getting fucking headaches because of Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all this fucking signal in the air. Get a headache, you bitch. <laughs> yes. uh, I concur with that statement, bro. Then we uh, all, then we, all then we all, then we all would have been getting headaches. Yeah, that's true. But just, just head just got fucking used to it. I'm, when I get headaches, because of my blood pressure, <laughs> not because I'm a bitch. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, just come back from the moon. I just come back from being a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, so if you guys again check out our Instagram, Weird History Eerie Tales Pod, to check out these utop- these ecotopian and dystopian dystopian like societies, go on our Instagram for you guys to see all the bullshit we talk about. Yeah, yeah, we post yeah. pictures and sh- things of that nature. If you guys go to our Instagram, Weird History Eerie Tales Pod, you guys can click on that link or you can rate and review us because that will help the show grow. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I mentioned last episode, Archie was going to join us today, and he did. So good looking, Archie. Yep, yep, yep. Getting close to fucking summer vacation, and uh, we—I got some plans. I got some plans. I'm saying, Josh, like, we'll, we'll be on TikTok soon. We'll be on TikTok soon. Wonderful, bro. Um, yeah. So if you guys don't have anything else to add, do you have? Do you look like you want to say something? If you guys don't have anything else to add, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, mm-hmm. and um, thank you. And as always, we are the weird history. Here we tell us pod. It's right there.